everybody listening. Thank you for listening. But also, uh, obviously, we're going to be pretty high during this process. And if you're able to get high, we're legally possible. Please join us and get on our level. It might make it just a little bit more entertaining for you. So thank you and enjoy the show. <laughs> Do you want any more? High <laughs> tolerance. Hi, I'm Trin. And I'm Sarah, and you're listening to High Tolerance, a show where we'll be reviewing different strains of weed and finding the best ones to help you cope with all of life's worries and bullshit. So the way it's gonna work is we'll be smoking a different strain that's related to our topic. We'll also have a special guest join us in each episode. Today, we've got our very good friend, Courtney LeBlanc here. She is not a frequent smoker, but she is smoking with us today to just be a really good friend. (laughs) Yeah, they're forcing me against my will. Peer pressure is alive and well, even in your 30s. Ain't that the truth? I don't think it ever goes away. I guess you're probably right. So today we're smoking Forbidden Fuel. It's a Deep Creek, which is an Oregon brand. It's a bright indica. It's supposed to make you happy, upbeat, relaxed, feel sociable. Right on. Just kind of like, feels, sounds kind of like almost like a party weed. Mm. Like you would bring it to a party. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what's a party? A funeral. <laughs> That's what we'll be talking about today. It is indeed. It's a death. Party. <laughs> it's a celebration yes. of life. <laughs> Just not a happy party. Well, it depends where you are because the New Orleans are pretty happy. That's right. <laughs> but it's some heavy shit. Death is some heavy shit. And you go through it enough times, you build a fucking tolerance to it. Yeah. Or dealing with it. Like I the, mean, the yeah. feeling of dealing with it. Yeah. But are you ever like fully. Like, okay with it? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I've experienced death a bunch of times, and I, I just don't, I feel desensitized a bit more to it. Like, it depending even, on the circumstances of the death, if I'm being honest. Like, like hearing about it versus experiencing it. You're desensitized to hearing about death. No, like, I mean... But then when it's applied to you, then it's like... No, like, I mean, like, growing up in Miami, we had a bunch of people die. Like, I don't (laughs) need to, like, kind of laugh about that. That's not... But you had a bunch of people die. Like, it it started in high school. For my first death was my brother's best friend in fifth grade who OD'd on heroin. And And how old was he? Either early 20s or late, like, or, or, like, maybe, like, 19 or in his early 20s. And, like, that was the first death I experienced. What was, how did it feel, though, the first time? I didn't really quite, like, grasp what was happening. Didn't feel real. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, like, and, and, like, the way that my parents kind of talked to me about, I don't know, it was just kind of like, what? Like, he's on a but, little vacation. But I was, like, really sad. No, like, I understood <laughs> what happened. I was, like, in fifth grade. I got it. But I, I just, like, the feelings that come with it, <clears throat> the first time you deal with it. And then I don't think, and he was, like, a brother to me. So I don't think I really, like, dealt with it, though, because I was like, oh, and I didn't go to the funeral. My parents were like, no, she's way too young to go to that. But, like, he was, like, an, uh, another kid in my house all the time. And then it dealt with, like, death of, like, a great uncle, which is like, come on, yeah, he's going to die. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, old in, like, seventh grade. And I think that was the first time that I was like, oh, like, this is a fucking real intense, crazy fit. Cause you're a little bit older. You understand things a little bit more. 
And then, like, in high school, like, just it was, like, one after another domino effect of, like, drugs, drinking and driving, suicide, all those things. And, like, that went on until my late, late 20s. And, like, after after a certain amount, and the first one was, like, super shocking. The second one was, like, oh, my God. Then, like, you know, you get to your fifth or sixth, and you're just, like, another one messes up, you know? You get, like... You build tolerance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you build, but you do. You build like a tolerance to like this. Like this is this is what's happening. Like you're not even affected anymore. That like the fucking tenth kid has driven himself into a tree. Do you think that's a good thing? No, I think it's absolutely <laughs> awful. It's like, <laughs> I mean, do you think it's a good thing so that like versus you hearing about death? You know, like does it really prepare you to accept your own death? Ah. Uh. <laughs> no. So you're actually, not completely tolerant. But uh, no. I mean, it's pretty high, of course. <laughs> yeah, but as high as I ever have, <laughs> most certainly. But like, I feel like I have some sort of. Watch, I say this and I die more. I have some sort of force field around me. And, like, I, I feel like I should have died quite a few times. So you feel lucky and you, like... I feel like my luck is going to run out in the stupidest way, in, like, a Steve Irwin way. <laughs> like, the other day I was in the water and there was a shark there. He didn't get me, but you know what is? Something really fucking dumb. Like, I'm going to trip over a rug and into my glass coffee table. And that's how I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> like, there's a million ways I should have gone by now. Not a million. I would say a few hundred thousand. Yeah. I've seen like multiple yeah. of those times. Yeah. Right. I'm not looking to find death either, to be clear. What was your first experience with it? With death? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to sound dumb, but I remember there was a huge earthquake in California when I was living there. Mm-hmm. And I walked outside and it, my memory of it is that there were thousands of dead baby birds all on the sidewalk. What the? And I was traumatized because of just the sheer amount of the, like, dead birds on the ground. And I think it's the first time that I realized that things aren't, like, fluffy and rainbows. That, like, shit happens. (laughs) And it sucks. And But what's interesting about that memory is I asked my dad about it a while back. And he's, he was like, Courtney, there was one bird egg on the ground. And so, like, he was like, perception, like, your perception was that there was a lot. But mm. there was maybe one or two. How old were you? Uh, I think I was, my dad said I had to have been, like, four or five. Well, I mean, that is, like, when we start our first memories. Yeah. I like how my very first memory was one of dead baby birds. That's really intense. Yeah, it makes me feel like that's a very early time to understand it. Yeah. 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 That's like you were just born yesterday. It's like crazy. Well, that's like the first memory is death. Yeah, because I definitely didn't understand the concept of death until I was like eight. (laughs) And I thought that was young. (laughs) It's pretty young. That is. When did you know? Or find out. I don't know how exactly how I found out, but I, when I did, I couldn't sleep for a long time because I kept 
being paranoid and thinking about things and like imagining it and like I'd be like so terrified also to be the last one to fall asleep because it would be me and my thoughts and it was terrifying listen I empathize with that I know what that's like it's crazy right and it's fucking scary to so I'm like I need to fall asleep first I need to fall asleep first yeah I feel like that's just me in my adult years (laughs) (laughs) you don't like me the last one awake I I hate being the last one awake and I'm definitely terrified of being alone with my thoughts (laughs) so like I'll deal I'll put white noise if I have to (laughs) those were like the scariest thoughts I've ever had to the point where I was like afraid to be alone with them yeah and um mostly it wasn't me I mean, of course, I was afraid of dying, the like, physical process, but more so, I couldn't accept my, seeing my mom get old and die or anything, and it, like, it bothered me so much, and then I didn't want to have to experience, like, uh, imagine it, because when you're alone with your thoughts, you, like, start to yeah envision shit, and then, so, like, I remember I was, like, before kissing my mom goodnight, I was like, can I talk to you about something? And she's like, what is it? And I told her, are you, I asked her, I was like, hey, are you afraid of death? And she's like, no, like nothing. It's just part of life, whatever. And I was like, I don't want you to get old. And and like, yeah, I don't know. I I don't remember her reaction or anything, but it just like made me really sad to think, to see. So like after that, I just kind of like, was always nervous to see my parents like on breaks during college and yeah. like, stuff like that to notice aging, you know? And because it just meant like she's closer to death if I saw my mom with another wrinkle or like gray hair or anything. So, and then now I have this dog. I can't handle being her, like, like being her parent because it would kill me. I can't emotionally handle her death will which will be it's like all like way dog owners it. like we just do it to ourselves it's totally like, all right I'm, I'm ready to suffer like something severely horribly emotional in like 15 years yeah well, this is like, every I did 15 years like i'm cool with it there's like a meme about that yeah it's so true it's awful <laughs> It's like losing a dog. I mean, it's losing part of the family. Totally. Yeah, but like you voluntarily do it. Yeah, yeah. No, you sign up for this. You go into this knowing I'm going to outlive you. I wonder if that's what like parents feel like if they outlive their kids. Well, yeah. You're going to outlive my fucking dad. Yeah, that's going to suck. She definitely she lost it a little bit. In the beginning, she when we would go to restaurants, she would ask for like a place setting for him and I was like oh my god <laughs> I was like that's uh, fucking that's heartbreaking you know he's not yeah and she was like is here in spirit I'm like okay but did we have to order the iced tea <laughs> <laughs> so did anyone drink it for him <laughs> When did she stop doing those things? I don't remember when she stopped doing those things. The last time we went out to eat, she didn't do that. (laughs) So they wouldn't suit you because they didn't have enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah. if you have one less person, we yeah. have a table ready. Yeah, we want to. We, we need a table for three. The other person will be with us. Spiritually. <laughs> In can we, spirit. Can we light a candle on this corner? <laughs> I wouldn't be pleased. My family's Cuban. They would. So, do you think um, being religious makes it easier to deal with death? Absolutely. Go on. I mean, my dad is super religious, sings in the church choir. Nice. Um, But I think he's always had a much better uh, relationship with death than I did because there's, you know, the he's Episcopalian. So there's the promise that you're going to go up the pearly fucking gates and, you know, you'll be in heaven. And I just... I think that whatever you need to get over it is fine. And I think religion does a lot of really good things in this world, but does a lot of really shitty things as well. Um, But if you take the good out of it, I mean, it's something so that people don't feel so alone and that they don't know actually what's going on. Because the truth of the matter is that we don't actually know what happens after we die. Yeah. I just wonder, like, on a scale of zero to a hundred, like, how much do they know that it's just a disillusion? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's almost like you're voluntarily doing this so you can deal with it. So there's something like self-aware about it. Yeah. yeah. Where that it totally negates it all. Totally. Yeah. And honestly, that, I mean, the thing that I think, Sarah, you were talking about earlier about um, being de- desensitized. I think, I have as well, but for different reasons where Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, when someone dies, it's just, I feel like it's just the circle of fucking life. And I'm comfortable knowing that people go into the ground and they decompose and whatever else is in there. I don't, and, and I'm okay with not knowing what happens. And I think that's, it's weird though, because I'm so comfortable with the notion of people dying because I just don't feel like it wasn't ever supposed to happen. Like that's what's supposed to happen. What if it, what if when it's not supposed to happen, if they're like a kid or baby or too young to die, but who's to say like the, that's not exactly what we needed. Like that. Yeah. She's saying that it was that like that all deaths were supposed to happen at some point or another. So then you are, so you do believe in something like fate. I, I, I definitely, honestly, I'm more of like a string theory. It's a mathematical religion is the best way that, you know, you could describe it, but it basically means that every single one of us is interconnected by energies and the ebbs and flows of what's in the environment. So like they did a, test on uh, sugar crystals but they had people up to electrodes having them think happy thoughts and it was weird because categorically across like the one side where they played this to the sugar crystals and the other side the sugar crystals on one side were ginormous and beautiful and intricate and the ones on the other side weren't I don't know I just kind of feel like we're here just to be here and it's like we're just visiting. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like you know the 
the, the strings aligned and this, you know, every, you know, everyone's here because of science, in my opinion, like you have an atmosphere, things are created. And then when those things die, then they die. So then you are, do you believe that when you die, it's like, it's like lights out or like there's something happens after? Here's the, in my rational brain, I know that it's just lights out. In, That's what I'm saying. Everyone, that 5% or whatever. Yeah. Because you think it slides out. It's never 100% I'm going to fucking heaven or whatever. No, but I'm just a, asking. Like, part of you that knows that you're lying to yourself. Or do whatever. you also think your lights out? Like it slides out after you die? I agree with Courtney. I wish it wasn't, but I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm the only one. Really? Like, I feel like there's probably like even a point one percent of you that thinks that no and is that enough to be like no it kind of like cancels out everything else i'm i'm not saying that there's a heaven there's a hell that i didn't say any of that no 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 but i'm saying like i don't believe that there's this or that i think you go into back into what you came from like you are put back in the earth. You decompose into the earth. You go back into the leaves and the trees and the nature and the everything that's all around you. But so and you become a yeah. part of that. And oh, like, so, so I feel like your spirit lives on through that and like it manifests itself in different ways in the, in, in the fucking wind that blows and the sun, the way that it shines a certain way and the like everything. Like I want to believe at least that like like the like the spirits of the people that I love the most are like protecting me and all around me in like every part of you just wish it was like a USB right like USB like you you're talking about your consciousness not your your what's your spirit you know what I mean do spirits have memories like Like, I don't know I don't know. Maybe it's their being, or it's aura. Maybe it's like what they represented, like or what they felt to you, or their feeling that you felt when you, when they were around. But like I've, I don't know. I've had moments where I'm like, whoa, I feel my dad, and they like come to me in certain ways. That's because you did too many mushrooms. That I, <laughs> I do enjoy a mushroom. <laughs> Or 12 when available. I think it's like the fear of losing all of this data you've accumulated throughout your life that people are afraid of when they think of death. Like, when you, if you think about it physically, it makes sense. Are you trying to tell me that we are actually robot people? We're actually... <laughs> I think we actually... <laughs> actually, it is lights out. It's just you straight up disintegrate and then become something else. And yeah. there's no trace left. You but you wish there was a memory stick, then you'd be okay with your body decomposing or whatever. You know? So that's why is that why you're scared of dying? Yeah. Because it, of like Like all of this for nothing. Yeah, it's just like your whole life experience terrifying i never thought of that like you worked like your your life was so hard in whatever ways everyone has a hard life and like yeah like all these experiences you've had relationships everything just what were they for yeah they're just sand you know turn back into the dust jesus is a terrifying way to think about it no and i think that's the the reason why people are terrified of death is because everything was for nothing you know and it nobody really matters. <laughs> why, but why does that scare people? 
Because in my yeah. mind, I sit there and I go, right. None of this fucking matters. No, because literally. you're okay with it. But I don't think people are yeah, okay with it. Yeah, but a lot of people are okay with it. I never really thought about that. Well, I, I mean, what scares you about none of this being worth it? Like, why does it matter to you? So then, I think that's why maybe people get depressed and don't feel like living because it well, doesn't matter. Yeah, and hold on. I think then what about people that, like, have kids? It's like, you're. it wasn't for nothing if you're helping set up your kid. And I, I think that they become a reason, for sure. I think that that's a lot of the reason people have kids. Is <laughs> they, like, it? need something else to live for sometimes. Right. That's very fucked up that to sucks, say. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I do believe that. Um, people just don't kind of know how to be alone. In my humble I think opinion. that's the other, the second part of it is being alone. Even though we come into the world alone. We do. <laughs> you know, like, but just, you know, they don't want people around them to die. Like, I don't want my mom to die. Um, or my grandmother. So, like, you know, or any more people in my life, really. Yeah. But you yeah. know, it's inevitable. I think the only thing for me about that is, like, I... Do I, I mean, do I want my family to die? No. If they died right now, would I be better than I was the last time something like that happened? I have no fucking idea. It hasn't happened again yet. So do you feel like every time someone dies in your life, it's easier to deal with the next time? Or or it still doesn't matter? I think, you know, I lost my mom when I was nine. And I think every moment after that, the people who died weren't people who I had like a really close connection with. And so this is going to sound fucking terrible, but like my grandmother died and well, both of my grandmothers passed away a couple years ago and I literally didn't cry for either of them. And it wasn't even something on my radar that I <laughs> thought about after that happened. But you weren't close to them, no? Oh, no, not super close. I mean, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Yeah. But if it's not someone you spend like, I don't like, so you have like a lot of memories with them, like or emotional attachment. Or, yeah, I don't know, and but maybe it's because like those are kind of the people that I had to hang out with after my mom died, mm-hmm. and so I just I don't know. Do you think that because you experienced your mom's death first, someone who you were close to, that made everything nothing? I think that's a. I mean, it's a good analysis. It might be. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's a big one. To, yeah. Like, have as your first, like, big, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think you're right, Trent. I think it's like you experience something that catastrophic and that traumatic. And I think it, it took me a really long time to get over it. She died when I was nine. And then I, like, didn't really acknowledge it at all um, for a couple years. And then, like, once I got into middle school, it was like, holy fuck. And like it just the it started pounding down on me, and it just went on until I was in college, you know, through depression, through fucking doing drugs, through drinking, and you know, I think that that sucks. And so, I do I want to put myself through that again? No, I think I would handle it differently. But like, it makes the the other things seem so much more trivial when you've gone through this like catastrophic event in your life. So early on. I mean, that would give you fucking high... That already gives you high tolerance for the rest of your life or anything else that's being thrown at you. Totally. Would you ever you wish sh- that on anyone? What you... Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I always think never. about that, too. It's, 
<clears throat> like my father's cancer. I don't know if I could wish that on anyone. It's horrible. Yeah, like I just it doesn't seem like any death situation is something you want to recommend to other people. Or like, be like, yeah, I really hope so and so that like. Damn. Oh, did you see that lady who got put in, in jail? She got put in jail because she was on the phone with his her boyfriend, and he was in the process of killing himself, <gasps> and shit. she encouraged it. No. Yeah. Stop. So her defense. So she just got charged for. Um, how do they like second degree or whatever <gasps> involuntary they, manslaughter? Wait, but how do they like? How do they provide the evidence? They had text yeah. messages. Oh, they were text oh. messages. Well, they had text messages, and then she um, them. yeah. Wait, is, it's not the same thing about the kids with the truck. No. Oh, uh, there, there's this like two kids in like middle school or high school, and he was suicidal, and then his girlfriend kept encouraging him through text message. And then she's like, okay, Saturday night or whatever. And then, like, he didn't do it. And then he, she's like, what are you waiting for? She was just egging him on. I did hear about that yeah. one. Yeah, no, this is a, a brand new one. Holy so this, shit. this kid was, <coughs> like, some of the text messages were basically like, you know, I, you know, I really just want to do this. And, you know, her response was like, you know, fine, then do it. Mm-hmm. And then. As he was, so he went into a garage and like turned on the car, like some shit. I don't know, something with this car that he ended up committing committing suicide. But she was texting with him while he was in this car, like basically waiting to die. And he was like, you know, I'm so scared. I don't know if I actually want to do it. And she goes, well, I mean, you would be scared if you were about to die. Um, But hold on and hang on. Whoa. That's some sociopathic shit. Wait, but hold on. Okay, but if you were her and you had no idea that any of this is going on and he's always threatening to kill himself. Well, and that was her defense, basically. No, but like, so how would you see it from her point of view where it's just like, oh, it's just another night where he's threatening himself. Well, and that was exactly her, like, evidence or her defense in the case is she was like, this has happened Probably 25 yeah, to 30 times in like, a year long. Yeah, you're sure. just annoyed sure. and you're like, go, sure, go ahead, whatever. I, I do know in college, <coughs> very, very close friend of mine, her boyfriend who was a close friend of mine. That was his way of fucking with her. And he would threaten all the time to kill himself. And she was such a saint that she never said just do it. And I would be like, Fuck, man, I'm going to tell him to just do no, it. I'm that's tired biggest... of having to leave the party early because this motherfucker is trying to tell him yeah. to that he's going that to bi- That's down. the biggest fuck you he could possibly give to her. Is to do it. Is to fucking do it so she can get arrested for egging <laughs> Jesus, him Jesus, I mean, you, you really, <laughs> you've gone out of your way to fuck someone over and then not witness it. No, but it is. It's like, okay, watch me do it then, bitch. See you in jail. <laughs> but he won't because if it lights out to you guys, like, <laughs> but he's religious. It was all for nothing, but it wasn't it. <laughs> so it exists. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, what do you think about capital punishment? Uh, well, I don't support it. I feel like in the United States of America, the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution give people rights. You know, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the government can't take that away because they are owned by the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. And so to violate one of the founding reasons for them to exist 
feels very wrong to me. People make mistakes. Government shouldn't make those same ones. Even if it's, like, people deciding, like, the jury? That uh, whether someone should live or die? Yeah. Then it's not the government, it's people? It's not, though. Those people are there because the government put them there. They're being paid by the government. And also, a lot of sentencing is doesn't happen by juries. So by judge. By judge. judge. So when they find them guilty, they're like, I sentence you to. But the jury can't be like, oh, whoa, hold up. We didn't know you were going to kill them. Let's go back. Wait, 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 wait. We we take back our decision. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Imagine being on a jury. Where you fucking find someone guilty and the judge is like, I sentenced them to death. And you're like, whoa. I know. That's I just you. was behind yeah. someone being killed. I would be That's so I mean, Like, you're like a sad. second. Yeah, because you're, you're like. You're a second degree from that death. Yeah, you, you are like indirectly. You're indirectly you're, responsible. Yeah, you're indirectly executing them. Then I guess if you make that decision, you knowingly know that they're going to. You know that they're going to. Die, you're being executed. There's something in you that's like a little bit. I don't know. That's a scary thing. Also, like, why didn't people like watching it? Like, what did. Oh, like the audiences? Yeah, like, what the. Yeah, what's up with that? It's not a fucking show. Like, why why is it a show even? I don't understand. Well, first, they have to have witnesses. So, not everyone needs to be there, but they have to. I feel like the other part of it is they feel restitution because all the people that are there watching it are people that are personal invitations. There's no one not there just to be there. I wonder if it's like, I feel like, I don't know, I, I wonder how I would react, but I feel like that would give me more nightmares. <laughs> Like if you watch, I would, I would, I would be like, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, I would just like, all right. Let's Mm -hmm. say someone killed one of my parents, right? And they told me like we caught him. He's gonna be executed. I don't know that I would want to watch it. I just want to be like, tell me when he's dead. Maybe that's it. You know, but I I like a death certificate's fine. Like just yeah, yeah. Just let me know when it's done. But I don't think I'd want to be like. Hey, bring the popcorn and wine coolers. <laughs> Let's go see this bastard burn. And then go out for dinner afterwards. Yeah. Dude, there was this, uh, I was watching this documentary. I don't remember what it was, but they uh, were talking, maybe it was the Ted Bundy one where they were having, they had like literally <laughs> frat boys outside of his execution chamber and they were like throwing keggers on the lawn of the prison, like right where the. Oh lawn. yeah, I remember that. So, like, there was literally, you could see the window where he was being executed in the electric chair. And so everyone, like, all, like, thousands of people came right up to the prison line where they were allowed to be and started throwing massive parties about him dying. What? Yeah, shit's crazy. Okay. They were selling t-shirts and everything. Oh, yeah. What did the t-shirts say? Something Bundy burning or something. So this was like in celebrate. They were reveling in his execution. Yeah. You know. I mean, granted, he was a fucked up dude. But. So that's what I was going to ask you. It's like, okay, but someone like Ted Bundy, who they've now even said, like, there are 
way more than 30 bodies that we're starting to like slowly uncover and like that they believe are like probably like double that whatever do you feel like that's someone that we should be making the conscious decision of like killing no okay i mean i i don't know if this statistic is true anymore but I did a project when I was younger on um, the death penalty, and it was for debate because I you would be in debate was debate <laughs> club, um, but it was this project um, about the death penalty, and you had to take a stand, and so I did. And I think there was a statistic that said someone uh, executing someone is almost. $500,000 more expensive than keeping them in prison for the rest of their life. I've heard something like that. So, yeah, I've heard. Like, like literally everyone's so arguments sure. about like, we should just get rid of this guy. Like the only argument that sustains and it is the wrong one is eye for an eye. There's no other logical reason for us to kill people. Yeah. And we've proven that out. I mean, it's not a government thing. It's not a money thing. Our prisons are overrun. Like, it would relax, you know, some things because the death penalty, like, just wouldn't be on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if it was Voldemort? <laughs> How He's getting it? killed in battle, dude. Like, I'm not... Uh, Voldemort? You, yeah. He can escape Azkaban. <laughs> so my options are let him do his shit or kill him? Yeah. I'm killing him. <laughs> <laughs> Just skipping, putting this in a, in a different context. So you would kill someone. I would physically kill someone, yes. I mean, he's, like, not human, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta think about your... I guess with death, you also gotta also think about the argument of what kind of individual they were. What would it take for you to kill someone? <laughs> I don't know. We're getting close, you and I. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I already know how I would do it. I'm not going to say that. I'm how you would kill me? No, I would kill anyone. No, not how I would kill them. What I'd do with them. Ew, Sarah. <laughs> you can't just say that. So when someone kills them and you have to cover them up. Yeah, we get a body. But I guess it depends so where you are geographically. You be like, do you need a friend to help you hide your body? <laughs> this episode is sponsored by... Have you shot someone recently? <laughs> Dude, we could start an app platform. I know. For, I, for $25 a month, I'll tell you now. <laughs> to hide the body and get away scot-free. I recommend these products from Home Depot. <laughs> this ad is sponsored by... <laughs> Home Depot. We got all your death supplies. <laughs> they have all of the, literally all of the death supplies. I mean, you've got ropes, chains... Chainsaw. Cement blocks. Axes. Axes. Acid. Acid. Yeah. <laughs> Trim. God. I was like going through Texas Chainsaw Massacre and she went straight to hostel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's would leave no trace. Man. Yeah, clearly. I mean, this is what I'm saying. So, we didn't really discuss this. <laughs> Courtney, I'd like to... Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it, and this was some good weed, good conversation. And so, until next time. Bye.
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. My partner and woman of many words. <laughs> Goodbye. Do I have to say anything? <laughs> Not anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> this episode was edited by Sarah Minacho. Theme music and mix by Overcoast. Shout out to Leafly for the strain info for this episode. No. Yes, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> <laughs>